Welcome to Joe's Common Sense Podcast. My name is Joe. Today is April 19th, and we're going to talk about second-guessing the government. Today we're going to look at the timeline for the coronavirus, timeline for responses, and we're going to kind of look at the second-guessing that's gone on on the Democratic side of this, as well as in the liberal media. So January 20th was the first U.S. case. Um, January 27th, the Coronavirus Task Force was formed that started meeting daily. Now February 2nd was the first time we restricted travel from China. So if you all remember, this was called out as racist and xenophobic, and Trump was merely continuing to be racist against people. Uh, especially apparently Chinese now, even though this occurred in Wuhan, China. But somehow this was racist and xenophobic. And as we've seen in the last couple of weeks now, Dr. Fossey, uh, Joe Biden, all these people are coming forward now saying, oh my gosh, if we hadn't done that, we would have lost a lot more people. A lot more people would have died. And if you look all around at Europe and at all these other countries, the first thing all these countries did was restrict travel from China. And why did they do that? Because they saw this was coming out of China. This is a Chinese virus. It's not from America. It's not from South America. It's from China. It's a Chinese virus. So travel was restricted, and specifically Wuhan. But, you know, of course the media wanted to wrap this up and second guess and put doubt and make him look bad since, you know, we survived the impeachment, we survived the Russiagate, we, you know, the Mueller probe. I mean, everything has been thrown out this administration. So this was the new thing we had to do. But now everybody's agreeing with it. And, of course, you're not going to see CNN or MSNBC walk back their stories and say they were wrong. Um, so February 23rd, we got the first model, which shows that it would infect 100 million people and there'd be one to two million people dead. So as we saw when this came out, the press jumped all over this. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, we're so woefully unprepared. All these people are going to die. All this bad stuff is going to happen. You know, look at this. You know, right now we've got uh, 735,000 infected. And we've got 39,000 deaths. Now those 39,000 deaths are somewhat subject. Um, about a week and a half ago, a CDC guideline was leaked out that showed that if they died of something else, but they might have had coronavirus, that it was to be marked that they died of coronavirus. Um, same thing in New York. Um, they're marking people who died of coronavirus without even taking a test to see if they had it. So when this all falls out, I think we're going to be looking at a lot less deaths related to the coronavirus. I think we're still looking at a 1% death rate from this disease. So just a 1% death rate, which is fairly, fairly low. But these numbers are inflated because of these guidelines where if I had a heart condition and coronavirus and I couldn't get to the hospital because it's not essential service for my heart, then I die, but I died of coronavirus. So I think we might see something come out of that with a little more guidance rather than just simply label it as a coronavirus death. Because all this has done, once again, is let the media second guess this administration. Oh, we haven't done enough. We have all this loss of life. Uh, 
all these people are dying. So, I mean, I would really have to look at the hard numbers. We'd have to see some breakdown of this. But without testing these people, we really don't know what they, what they died of. Now, on February 29th, Dr. Fossey came and said that the risk is low and we shouldn't change our daily practices, but that could change. So, once again, the media had jumped all over this in later days saying, oh my gosh, this administration is saying that everything's okay, it should be business as normal, and now look at us. Well, we have to remember this was a new disease. You know, coronavirus has been around, but COVID-19 is a brand new strain. We didn't know how we were going to react to it, what it was going to do. Um, but as he says in his statement, things could change. As of right now, this is what we can do, but things might change. You know, also in late February, the CDC rejected using the World Health Organization's testing. So this might have been just kind of one slip up by the CDC because it took an additional three weeks for the CDC to relax their rules and regulations allowing hospitals and labs to create their own testing for this. So we kind of had a three-week span in there where we weren't testing because we had all these regulations that were from the previous administration and the CDC, all these levels of bureaucracy, the things had to be gone through. So it took us three weeks to do that. So on March 3rd, the CDC lifted the restrictions on testing, allowing testing to be more readily available. So now on March 10th, we had a million tests distributed and 4 million more were made available in a week. So all these facts and information I'm getting from the, the coronavirus daily briefings, the CDC, uh, the National Center for Disease Control. Um, so these are where I'm getting all these numbers from. So in March, we've got a million tests out. we got 4 million more available. But yet all the narrative that we hear is that there's no testing we're woefully unprepared where are the tests we're not testing people in the media spun time and time again we're putting people at risk but the tests were being created they were being made now i don't know if some of you remember the stories you know the chinese tests that were sent to italy half of them were sent back because they were faulty some of the who tests were faulty they didn't meet the cdc guidelines so some of the early testing that was available to us wasn't very conclusive or the tests were wrong. They were bad. So there's a little give and take on this, but we don't see that part reported. All we see is that the administration left people to die. We don't see the fact that the Chinese sent bad, bad tests because we're beginning to find out that the media might be an arm of the Chinese propaganda machine as well by what they post about how great China is. It's just, it's just amazing. But so we don't see that narrative. So on March 11th, the World Health Organization claims a global pandemic. And the U.S. on that date puts travel restrictions for people flying into the United States from Europe. So those were put in place on March 11th. Once again, there was, you know, a little bit of talk of, you know, how can we do this, blah, blah, blah. There wasn't as much pushback as the original Chinese one. Because I think even the press was beginning to realize that this might really be a pandemic. So March 13th, President Trump declared a national emergency. So it took, you know, from January till then, but, you know, the amount of deaths and things like that in March were very, very insignificant. You know, we can second guess all we want. The press has definitely second guessed this group. You know, we've got physicians, we've got 
you know, all kinds. Dr. Fossey has been through numerous administrations. Even Nancy Pelosi says she trusts him. You know, he's the one advising the president. So, you know, we can go back and look at this. We can second guess this. You know, I know there's going to be hearings about this. We certainly didn't have hearings about this, you know, when we had the swine flu. But we're going to second guess everything. We're going to look to point blame because this is an election cycle. It is an election year. And President Trump, orange man, bad. So mid-March, federal agencies began placing bulk orders on N95 masks, ventilators, and other medical equipment. As we know, during the swine flu, the strategic supply of N95 masks and ventilators was depleted. Now, the Obama administration was told four times to refill these, and they never were. So mid-March, we start to begin placing more bulk orders. Now, once again, this stuff was coming from China. And once again, as we've seen with supplies that China has sent, that they're faulty. They don't work. They're poorly made. Italy had donated, I believe, four or 500,000 masks to China when this first started. And China turned around and resold the same masks that the Italians donated, sold them back to the Italians. But you won't hear about that in the press because China's great. So March 16th, we get the social distancing guidelines that we're all currently undergoing right now. So everybody understands you need to be six feet away. Don't go anywhere unless you positively have to. You know, which I think has been good. It's certainly flattened the curve. You know, if I'm not in everybody's face, I'm not going to get sick. Uh, March 18th, Trump signed the Defense Production Act, which allowed us to tell regular industries that they needed to change what they were producing and to ramp up. So we've got GM4 making ventilators. We have ethanol plants now making sanitizer. Um, So we've seen a lot of good come of that. You know, there was a lot of second guessing on this when it came out. People were saying, oh, this gives the president too much power. Then two weeks later, people were saying, why don't you invoke this? Because you need to be having all these companies make all this stuff. So, you know, once again, just a lot of second guessing. He put this out there hoping that industries would step up on their own. Now, quite a few did. You look at, you know, the MyPillow guy. Everybody has been beating up on this guy because he was at a press conference and he invoked God. So suddenly he's crazy. Not the fact that this guy turned 75% of his production line into making masks. We can't get anything out of that. That's not the story. The story is, oh my gosh, he prayed to God on a White House briefing. Good God, the guy's a patriot. You know, the guy believes in this country. This guy loves America. 75% of his production has been turned over to this. You know, what are all these people who are criticizing him, what have they done? This guy has taken his livelihood and turned it around to help America. But once again, you know, Trump should have evoked this sooner. He should have demanded all this instead of letting these businesses come in line. Now, we saw, I think, the only problem he had was General Motors um, to make the ventilators, which when we applied a little pressure, they in turn started producing ventilators. Now we have a surplus of ventilators. You all remember the story of Governor Cuomo being on TV every night crying that they don't have enough ventilators. They don't have enough. Now New York has a surplus of ventilators that they're sending to other places. So did Cuomo really need thirty or 40,000 ventilators? No, they sure didn't. But it made great TV. It made great showing, a great, great second-guessing this administration 
oh, look, they can't even get the needed equipment to these states. You know, Governor Cuomo, Governor Newsom, they've all commended Trump on his response. But when it comes down to this nitty-gritty in the press, it's all second-guessing. It's all administration's bad. It's, you know, if the administration didn't respond, how do they have a surplus of ventilators? It makes absolutely no sense. But we don't hear that. That's not a story you're going to hear. Oh, New York suddenly got everything they needed, and now they have a surplus. You're not going to find that in the mainstream press. Uh, March 19th, the CDC issued updated guidelines for using masks. Uh, March 27th, we signed the CARES Act, HR 748, so we all get our stimulus checks. We all provide money for small businesses, um, the major bailout. And then April 12th, Dr. Fazi admits uh, that early mitigations save lives. So the xenophobic, racist, stopping travel from China actually saved lives. But throughout all this, the press has definitely put this in a bad light. We see time and time again at these press conferences where they're trying to step him up. They're trying to get him to renege on his words, go back on his words. We're looking for the littlest thing to make him look bad. You know, whereas we have the Democrats not refunding the small business loan monies and Pelosi refusing to have the House come back to Washington to take care of business. I mean, you and I aren't getting paid for our jobs. Maybe these people shouldn't get paid. They should take a pay cut because they're not working. And what, what do we see from Pelosi? We see her on James Corden standing in front of her $24,000 refrigerator. She has two of them and a freezer eating her $15 a pint ice cream. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Quarantining is so difficult for you, Nancy. Thanks for showing us you're so in touch with America. I mean, I buy the half-gallon $2.97 Walmart brand. Half-gallon. I can't pay $15 a pint. I sometimes cringe buying $5 a pint for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. And my refrigerator certainly isn't 24000 and I don't have two of them. That's the image that we're seeing from this lifelong politician who's been there since the 80s. What has she done? Amassed a fortune. What is she doing now? Refusing to help small businesses. The money ran out. But what do they want to do? They want to tax something else onto the small business thing instead of taking care of America. Today on Fox News, she said that uh, Trump was a weak leader, saying we are risking all going back too soon. You know, so what's the end game to all this? Do the Democrats just want to keep us sequestered forever? Um, do they want to keep us quarantined forever? My, my thought is that they do. They want this election to happen where we can vote from home. So there'll be no way to guarantee the authenticity of the ballots. There's no way to guarantee that people are registered voters when they vote. And it will allow them a victory. You know, what's funny is, you know, she's saying that all this information about he's a weak leader. When we look at the timeline, you know, he did everything he could with what he had. You know, even the administration said that it will work with the governors, the CDC, Dr. Fossey, all these people before we decide to open the country. You know, Trump didn't stand up there and say, I'm opening the country today everywhere. No. Once again, it's a spin. Once again, it's a second guess. From people who are completely out of touch. You know, let's look at things that are essential and not essential. Liquor stores are essential. Liquor and weed stores are essential. 
You know, we have businesses that are closed in towns because they're deemed not essential, but liquor stores are essential. But going to a drive-in church isn't essential. As we look in Mississippi last week, there were people at a drive-in church in their cars with the windows rolled up, listening to the broadcast on FM radio, and they were each issued a $500 ticket. $500 ticket for sitting in their car trying to profess their faith, which is guaranteed under the Constitution. But church isn't essential, but a liquor store is. And as you know, that heart surgery isn't essential right now. So if you want to have an elective heart surgery, you've got a bad heart, you need something done with your heart, that's not essential. You're not going to be able to get any time. But if you want to have an abortion, that's essential. So if you want to murder a baby, come on in. The hospital's open. If you want to do something with your heart or your, your legs or anything else, nope, forget about it. We're closed right now. We don't have room. We're taking care of all these coronavirus victims. But you want to murder a baby, come on in. We're open for business. It's just amazing how this country has changed, how we've allowed the governors to dictate what we're doing, what we're not doing, and we're starting to see a pushback. Uh, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, we're starting to see protests from people about being quarantined, about the amount of time we're being quarantined, about what's essential and what's not essential. We basically have given up lots of our civil rights and liberties. You know, the right to, to profess whatever faith we want and practice whatever religion we want. We've given that up. And why? What's the end game? That's my big question in all this. Is it to control the response, to control the image that Trump has, to ruin the economy even more before the election, to force an in-home election without going to the polls, to prop up Joe Biden because Joe Biden is clearly suffering from dementia. I saw something he did on CNN this weekend and the guy couldn't make sense, couldn't put two sentences together. And if I was a Democrat, I'd be very scared to want that man to be president. Can't make sense at all. But if we continue to make the orange man look bad, then maybe he'll look a little better. If we can second-guess every decision they've ever made on the coronavirus, maybe we can make him look better. If we get the press to do all of our dirty work, maybe we can make him look better. Because God forbid they cover the sexual assault allegations against Joe Biden. Those have just clearly been swept underneath the rug. Last week, the New York Times had a piece about it. They pretty much disregarded her accusations. Um, they also altered their article because there have been seven people now that have brought allegations of inappropriate touching uh, against Joe Biden. But all those were deleted from the article, no mention of those. But yet they were able to throw three or four sentences in about Trump and all the people that have accused him. When the article was about someone who had come forward, it's the Me Too movement. The Democrats said we have to believe everyone that has an allegation, except when it's against one of them. So, I don't know, people. I don't know where this brings us right now. All I hope is that when we get through all of this, we see how much better we are in our communities, how much nicer we are to our neighbors, how we really don't need professional athletes, how we don't need stars, how we don't need Instagram influencers telling us what to do, 
how the real heroes in all this is you and me making it through this and continuing to do our jobs. The grocery stalker, the clerk, the nurses, the doctors, the orderlies, the CNAs. Those people are the real heroes throughout all this. God bless America. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. This was Joe's Common Sense Podcast. Remember, I'm everywhere on the web now. Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Alexa, iHeartRadio. Please go to my Facebook page, Joe's Common Sense Podcast. Leave your information and feedback. Have a good day.